quite a few of us have actually had it twice, not me. Others, I've had all the injections. Lou's happy with me so then I can go forward. He says, you're covered now, Roland. I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like Mr. Mandela. Anyway, I'm glad, I like, I enjoy leading the meeting, not that I do a great job, but I get all the laughing and all that stuff out of the way so that I can be serious while I preach. So uh, otherwise I end up joking and messing around. Sometimes, you know, I had a lady when I, when I, an older lady, I actually saw a picture on Facebook there. She's 92, I think. And uh, she was in a church for ages. And then one day she came up to me. Everyone called her Auntie Mori. I didn't call her Auntie Mori. I called her Mori. Anyway, she came up to me and she said, Roland, whenever you're preaching and the Holy Spirit has got people's hearts in his hands, then you tell a joke. So I was like, what do I do? Uh, you know what? The Holy Spirit's not offended by my jokes. I remember once I went, you can, you'll hear that I've been around for a while, I went to a Benny Hinn type meeting. And I went into that meeting and I was like, whoa, now we're going to see God move. And we did. Eh? God healed. The one guy came up with a broken leg and Benny Hinn took his plaster cast leg and he smashed that plaster cast off on the stage so there were bits and pieces of things all over and I got up and he ran around the, the thing people came up with a, with a wheelchair actually they, he didn't come up in the wheelchair the wheelchair came up above everyone's head like this and the oak was walking underneath it I was like whoa but then we got to the section where he was talking about the Holy Spirit and he said Somebody, a noise happened. I don't know if it was a demon or whatever, but there was this, ah, and he said, take that person outside. And actually, that's where he lost me. Because you know what? God is for us as people. I honestly, I believe when we laugh and joke, as long as it's good and pure, I believe he's there. He's, he's with us all the time. I really believe that. I believe when I watch the Grand Prix. <laughs> oh, I love these guys because I know they watch the Grand Prix as much as I do. But I, the, I even caught myself sh sh shouting for KTM because they read Bull last week when Brad Binder won the GP in the rain on slicks. Yo, I was so proud to be a South African. Go! as if we made any difference to his writing, but anyway. I, I, I don't know what it is. It's, we're so attached to earthly things. I don't know about you, but when the Springboks play and they sing the national anthem, I want to cry. I don't know what it is. I can't really sing the first language. The second language is like heavenly tongues, and then we get to English, so I can sing the last part. But it's like, it's like God, I don't know if it's God, something grabs my heart. And it's like, oh, it's so emotional. And you watch those guys that are playing, they're crying. It's like, we're going to give it all. 
And the thing that concerns me is that as Christians, we're not always prepared to give it all. When it's time to stand up and to proclaim or speak what God has called us to speak, we're not prepared to do that. So yeah, message title, and if you don't get it, Amy, or whoever's doing it, you can get it afterwards. Living with eternity in our hearts. Living with eternity in our hearts. So we're going to read a, a portion of Scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 5, 4. This morning I had to change all my Scriptures from ESV to NRV. Because when I study, I study with the ESV. It's a better study Bible. But when I want to read the Word and I want people to read along with me, I use the NIV. It's a much more, it's an accurate Bible and it, it, it reads much easier. So 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet in, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands, Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we are not found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. Folks, we need to remember that we are living now for there. This is not it. Shame, Donnie, Donnie was in contact with people with COVID, so he couldn't be here today, as I said. But he had two funerals that he had to go to this week. I think it was, I want, I don't, I want to say his best friend, but I can't say, or a very good friend that uh, got buried on Thursday. And then on Saturday, he had to go and bury his stepfather. And I, I also heard of a, a young guy from Durbanville, um, got liver cancer and died of COVID this last week as well. Young guy. I think he was 35, that's a lot. He wasn't 35. And uh, this life is temporary. It's temporary. Some of us get a bit more of it than others. Uh, I always say to the Lord, I want, I want 80 years. That's what the Bible promises. I want 80 years minimum. So Patty gets down on her knees and prays for it to be shorter. But I honestly believe when we go over 80, we, we're living in bonus time. And maybe that's good. Her mom's 85, so she doesn't like to hear this. Um, but 
when we get to 80, we've lived a good life. We really have. I, I don't know. You can speak to Lou. He's a doctor. He'll tell you how long he thinks we should live. I remember Patty went up. We had a pilot in our uh, SAA pilot in our church up in Benoni when we were leading there. And she, she went to him and she said, because Patty cannot handle flying. She is terrified when it comes to flying. I could tell you stories all day long about Patty when she has to fly. But anyway, she went up to the pilot. She said, I'm, I'm going to show you. Because she said to me, I think it's much worse when we take off. I said, I don't know. I'm not a pilot. Go and ask him. So she marches up to him. He was actually older than us, that guy. She says to him, that means he's very old. Uh, hey? We were still young. I'm still young. I still got 20 years left, at least. And... Uh, she says to the pilot, so which is the more dangerous in taking off or landing? He says, Patty, it's much more dangerous driving to the airport. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> when did you last hear of an airplane accident? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But you know what? If, if, if we see it as we are passing through and we're not hanging on to this, but we are passing through, um, we live our lives differently. The, th the thing that is, that is not so lacquer is the fact that we leave people behind that love us and will grieve for us and hopefully. And uh, also, hey, Roland was a great guy. You can all sign that when you leave. Uh, but we can't hang on to this life. But I want to tell you, when you find yourself in that place where things could go wrong, it gets scary. Because you know what? Yes, we, we know where we're going. We know what's going to happen. But for me... As much as I say that, it's still like the unknown. I don't know what happens when I step over that line. I'm sure it's good, but I still don't know. And uh, during this COVID time, I've just seen so many people affected that at, at first it was far out there, but it's come closer and closer. And people, you know, we, we laugh now. Oh, they oscillating again. But that's how close they were to what could have happened. And so we need to be careful. So because we're living our life in the light of eternity, we need to be clear about the purpose of the church. What are we here for? What are we here to do? I promise you guys, we're not here for, to do all the things we love doing. We are here with a purpose. We are here to, to see the kingdom of God advanced. So that we will surrender our lives. We need to surrender our lives. Hey, Lord, I'll, I'll do whatever you, it takes. You can ask Patty. I have been into almost the whole of Africa to preach. The only place I haven't been is up in that north where most of the Muslims live. Uh, I haven't been there. But the furthest up I've been, and the most terrifying place that I've been, is Liberia. 
I went to Liberia to go and preach. There were some leaders there that wanted to, to uh, see the pattern of the church. And so we went up there. Up, it was terrifying. Me and a friend of mine went together. And I, I got through because I had my passport and everything. And my friend's name was Craig. He had lost his passport, so he got a temporary passport. And so now I'm looking for Craig. Where's Craig? What, what's going on here? And I walk over here, and in the aisle next to the counter, Craig is kneeling on his knees, and they've got an AK-47 to his head, and they're saying, what's this piece of paper you think you're going to get into our country with? I thought, oh, no. So then somehow we managed to get out of there. And then their defense force, it's about 60 k's to the, to the town from the, air, from the airfield. Every kilometer they have a, like two or three defense force guys. And every kilometer they stopped us. They made us open our bags. They, they, didn't, they just said to us, what have you got for me? I thought at this rate I'm going to have no clothes by the time I get to that side. But it was scary. Their eyes were all red. They were high. They, and, and they said to us, you know what? We don't get paid by the government. Our salary is what we can take from you. Hey, I'll tell you what, I was scared. I've never been that scared. I've been into many countries many times. I've never been back to Liberia after that. We find out when we get there that the last missionaries that were there had their clothes stripped off them and their shoes and their socks and they walked them 60 kilometers and their underpants to the airport. So they walked one kilometer and handed them on. They walked one kilometer and handed them on. Their feet were shredded by the time they got to the airport. I thought, why didn't you tell me this before I came here? I needed to communicate with Patty. There's no cell phones there in those days. There was, yeah. And the only thing that you could communicate through was one guy had internet, and it was 10 US dollars in those days. Those days to send one email. So I couldn't afford to send more than one, so there were, there were three of us, so what we did was we made one email and sent it all to our wives. They, they got one that they had to share. But you know what? What I hung on to was we are passing through. We are passing through. We're not staying here. But in the meanwhile, while I'm here, I'm going to go for it with everything inside of me to bring more and more people into the kingdom of God. Because that's what it's about. That's the only thing you take with you are those that you gather with you. Revelation 19 and verse 6 to 8. So this is the prophetic book, you remember? In Revelation 19, 6 to 8, it says, I did that because it says raw of rushing water. I heard what sounded like a great multitude, 
like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And this is a very important verse. And His bride has made herself ready. Guys, we have a responsibility to make ourselves ready. We don't leave it to others. We take responsibility and say, we are going to make ourselves ready. First of all, we're going to make ourselves ready. Then we are going to help others get themselves ready. There's no time to waste. Whenever we have an opportunity, we need to be seeing the, the rulership of Jesus Christ coming into the lives of people. We need to see it happening. So the purpose of the church is, first of all, I'm the church, and every one of you are the church individually. Then we are the church all together. We're the called out ones, the ecclesia. And so we have a responsibility to prepare the bride. Jesus is also preparing the bride. It speaks in Ephesians 5. It says, and he has washed his bride. And so he's preparing us, and we are helping others and ourselves. We have a responsibility. Are you, are you prepared to allow people to speak into your life? Are you prepared to speak into somebody else's life? I actually find it easier to let people speak into my life than me to speak into their life. It's just the way I'm made up. I do what I have to do. But I don't like being hard on people. If people ask me, it makes it a whole lot easier because I can say, okay, this is what I believe needs to change. My wife's got a, a really good expression. She says, so how can we help you? <laughs> how can we help you? And it all revolves around Revelation 3.21. It says, to those to the one who is victorious, that word victorious means overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Folk, you know what? If we don't overcome, we will not make it into heaven. What's that thing that's holding you back? You have to overcome. You have to move past that thing. I've had things in my life where I've, I've had to overcome. I'm very fortunate. I've got a wife. She has no problem with speaking into my life. And you know what? She, she, I love her for it. It's like if I miss something, I know she's going to catch it. If, if she misses something, she knows I'm going to catch it. And so we have this wonderful relationship where we've been able to walk each other towards where Christ wants us. If you're married, do you remember the day when you were standing at the top of the aisle and the music went doo -doo -doo -doo, and you turn and you look up that aisle and boy, there comes your wife. 
And I want to tell you, I've done quite a few weddings. I've never seen an ugly bride. Never. And they come in all shapes and sizes and looks and hearts and lengths. But I've never seen an ugly bride. You know what? That's how Jesus sees us. And even if you're single here today, you're not, you're not married, you're part of God's bride. And he sees you as beautiful. I think that's just touching on what Patty was talking about, the God that we serve. He is compassionate. He's rich in love. I remember that day. Whenever... Whenever I think about, uh, I just got saved. I was saved three months before we got married. And uh, Patty only told me afterwards that the church was telling her if I didn't get saved, she couldn't marry me. Hey, babe? But I think she was going to marry me regardless. Oh, you love me, babe. I was doing my defense force training. I was like, whoa, oh. But you know what? The devil has a scheme for your life. God's got a purpose. The devil's got a scheme. He wants to derail you. And let me tell you, when you find yourself out and not in fellowship, it's very easy to be derailed. It's not easy to, to, to stay close to the Lord when we find ourselves on our own. The, the guys that are good at brying and like brying, I'm good, the only thing I'm good about a bry is eating the meat. But uh, you watch them, if, if a coal goes out there on its own, very soon it just dies if it's not put back into the fire. And that's what happens with us as Christians. When, when we fall out of the fire and we're there on our own, very soon the, the fire in that person will go out. And that's why it's so important to be a part of the bride. Speaking about us as a congregation, and speaking about us as a church, speaking about us as the universal church, we need to be part of it. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3 to 6, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. If we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. I, I want to say to you this morning, if, if, if you're here and you've got something that you're struggling to overcome, you, you go forward, then you come back. And you go forward, if you've got a swimming pool, it's like a creepy crawly. Hey, Peter? Peter's an expert on swimming pools, by the way. So the creepy crawly goes two forward, one back, two forward, one back. And if you find those things in your life, and they can be lots of things, they can be anger, they can be an issue with your wife or with your children or whatever the case may be, 
you need to examine that thing because it's becoming a stronghold and eventually it will become a stronghold. And you can't just get rid of a stronghold by in the name of Jesus. No, you can't. That thing has to be dismantled brick by brick. And you generally need someone to help you break that thing down. One of the strongest things that will help you to overcome a stronghold in your life is that you grasp the significance of eternity and we don't get distracted by this life. We live, we live from day to day. We go, we do our jobs. But you know what? Instead of doing your job as I have to do it because I have to earn an income to, to help support my family, See it as, today I'm looking for an opportunity to speak to somebody about the Lord. I remember when I first got saved, I, I prayed that prayer every morning about when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. I would, every morning I'd say, hey Lord, give me a woman at the well situation. Give me the opportunity to speak to somebody. And Patty will sometimes get a bit embarrassed with me because I'm looking for opportunities all the time. So I'm fortunate. You, you can't do what I can do. So if we go to a restaurant, we sit down. If we go to the petrol station and fill up, whatever I do, somehow I'll let them know that I'm a pastor. And straight away they're either in a church and they'll answer and that's, then I'll just move on or they'll they'll start to inquire. It gives me a door. I can talk. Sometimes Patty gets, in, gets embarrassed a little because when the waiter comes and we got our food, I'll say to them, can you pray for us? Um, 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 okay, I said, you stand here, I'll pray for us. You know what? We need to look for every opportunity. When you see people struggling, they need help from God, even though they're not serving Him. Can I pray for you? I don't have to preach the gospel. I've said so often, uh, when people evangelize, they try and have their scriptures all lined up, and they're gonna, this is how they're going to tell the gospel. You know what you do? The Word says we overcome by the Word of our testimony. Just tell them, hey, this is what God has done in my life. They, they can't dispute that. He's done it in your life. Not, oh, no, no, another scripture. No. In my life, this is what God has done. And Patty and I, the Lord has given us a really powerful testimony. We've got so many things that he's done in our life. I don't even go back before salvation anymore. Most people have to go back and tell them how bad they are before they got saved. No, I don't have to do that. We've had so much happen in our life since we got saved. We can share with people ongoingly. And I, I want to encourage you to actually, when you go home today, just sit down. I used to encourage the people in Benoni and write your testimony out. Just short, write it out. This is what God's done in my life. And then just glance at it every now and again. Because when the opportunity comes, you're going to speak what you've written out a couple of times. Otherwise, you actually, 
you, you, you think, I, I can easily do that. No, you suddenly start stumbling and you can't say what God wants you to say. And when you finish, you can say, hey, that's what God did in my life. I remember the day Lou, Lou said to me, come, we need an angiogram. So I'd had an angiogram before and I just had a little stent put in my heart and so it was, it was like that happened on the Thursday, on the Sunday after that I was actually preaching in church again. It was like, oof, this is nothing. So uh, Lou says to me, we have to go and see if we need to put a stent or two in because I, I could hardly breathe, I could hardly walk. And so we sit down and I'm, I'm wanting to look at the, because they put it up on a screen. And the time before, I could look, and I could actually see where the blockage is. It's like a dam. The, the blood goes there, and then it doesn't hardly come out of there. And so I wanted to look, so he grabs my head. He said, no, don't look. Look this way, because he could probably see all the stuff already. And then he comes, and he sits down next to me. I thought, so now he's going to tell me how many stents we need, yeah? Because I remember the first time they said, do you want this type of stent or that type of stent? What is your medical aid? I said, just put the best thing in there that you've got. <laughs> so anyway, Lou comes and sits next to me. He says, hey, Roland, you have to have a bypass. Hey, I just started crying. The next minute I look at Lou, he's crying with me. I think, oh, this is really bad. He's crying. <laughs> but you know what? With confidence, Lou put me through that thing. And I can honestly say it's like I've had a new lease on life. My heart is strong. My veins were messed up because of myself. They fixed that up for me. And now I honestly don't feel the effects of that. Now and again, my chest over here goes click, and I wonder what's going on. But yeah, I, I, I live life to the full at the moment, especially in front of the TV. Actually, I've been ex exercising quite hard. It's the only thing you can do in COVID. Safely. So once we see the significance of eternity, we're no longer distracted by this life. I'm, I'm, me and Patty have made this thing. We're going to enjoy life, but we're not going to be distracted by this life. We're going we're gonna to go for it. So every trial, every temptation, everything that uh, we have to overcome is getting us ready for heaven. I want to get there one day, and as Andrew's favorite thing is, is one day when I get there, they're going to put my life on the big screen. I agree with him, but everything that you have sorted out, repented of, taken care of, is not going to be on the screen. If you haven't taken care of it, it's going to be there where everyone can see it. I don't know about you, but I don't want things that people have to see that they didn't know about me. And remember, God knows every thought. It's not like a, I wonder, he knows what's going on in your head and your heart. So 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. Oof. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, 
but what is unseen, since that is what is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Guys, this race that we're running is not a sprint. I'm so disappointed. When I, when I did ath athletics, the two races that I ran was the 800 meters and the 1500 meters. And I was good at them. But South Africa these days, all their runners are sprint runners. They haven't got any more middle distance runners. And so the Olympics and that have been, have been a bit disappointing for me because we, we haven't even got someone that can come second, never mind first. And so, yeah, when, when you see something that, is, uh, that you, you have hope in and then it isn't there, because in the past we had some really good 800-meter runners and 1,500-meter runners as well. Colossians 1.11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. When I started preparing this message, the word that God gave me was endurance. You need endurance. That word, the definition means continued existence, ability to last. The fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. She was close to the limit of her endurance. Capacity of something to last or to withstand wear and tear. To withstand. I'm not talking physically. I'm saying withstand spiritually. At work, do they know what you stand for? In your family, do they know what you stand for? Wherever you go, do they know what you stand for? In spite of what they push against you, do they know what you stand for? At the moment, I think it's the Le Mans 24 hour. They're busy racing. They finish 3, 4 o'clock sometime today. The cars look different this year. I didn't recognize them, but anyway. We cannot run this race if we have not, firstly, firstly, guys, surrendered our life to Jesus. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, there is no way that you will be able to endure this life that we find ourselves in now. Then most people will say that. Then I'll say, but you also need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need that first and foremost. But I'm talking about full because on a daily basis we actually leak. We clay pots. We leak. And so we find ourselves suddenly getting all agitated and uptight with the circumstance that we find ourselves in. And what's happened is we've leaked. The Holy Spirit is not there doing what He should be doing. And I'm not even going to go into the way that you fill yourself is in the place of reading the Word, spending time with God, praying. It's not hard. Do it. Some people, they, they conscientiously do that every day and then they miss one day or they get COVID for a couple of two weeks 
and then they get all down on themselves. Oh, I haven't known, man. God knows. God knows. I, I, I know when, when, when my children contact me, hey, my heart jumps, eh? But you know what? Sometimes I have to contact them. God will contact you if you're stepping out of line. I believe that. If you don't believe that, I feel sorry for you. But I honestly believe that we need to stay in contact with God. And you need to work out what you are able to, uh, how you need to move along this road. Some of you, every day. For me, it's every day. If I don't do it every day, then I'll start missing. For me, it's every day. I must do it. And it's not because I'm the pastor. It's the type of person I am. I'm a routine person. So I, I need to be... Same time, same place. I don't know if you watched Andrew. I'm exactly like that. I've got a chair. Every time Patty walks in there, I tell you, babes, can you feel it? Can you feel it? The anointing of God. I don't even know if Patty's the same as me. Because people say, you know what? We pray together. Patty and I have always struggled to pray together because uh, our clocks are different. So she'd rather do it during the day. She'll pick a time where I know, hey, no interfering now. And she generally does it every day as well. She has to because I say to her, so babe, what did God say to you today? She's like, I think I better go and have a quiet time. <laughs> you know what? It's our responsibility as spouses. I'm not talking about husbands but as spouses to hold each other accountable. And, and sometimes it's not, hey, what is God saying to you? It's at the end of the week. What has God been speaking to you about this week, babe? So it's not every day. It's, hey, I really feel that he's talking about endurance. That's what I felt, I felt him talking to me. And it's amazing when you start to go along a line, then everything you do, if it's God talking, it pops up. There, there. Same over here. There. So I wonder if we could stand together. Let's pray. And I unashamedly want to be able to put to throw the net out every Sunday because I don't know the condition of your heart. I remember once Andrew, Andrew did a leadership training time in Europe and at the end of, so it's leaders, at the end of the leadership training time he said, I want to pray for you guys. And he stood up to pray and he felt God impress on his heart. Let me throw the net out there, see if there's any unsaved... 12 guys got saved at a leadership training time. So we must never, I sometimes, I, I don't feel the urge, but I, I need you to not be uncomfortable. If you've given your life to Christ, you, you settled, you, you know where you're at. But if you're sitting there and, and your heart's pumping, or the other thing is sometimes we've surrendered our life to Christ, but we find ourselves in a backslidden state where we, our relationship with Jesus is gone. It's not there anymore. And so sometimes we need to okay that. And then the second 
thing is people find themselves empty, not full of the Holy Spirit, because of circumstances, because of, of uh, things having happened. I went, as I say, I went to Donnie yesterday to go and to, uh, first of all, speak to him and encourage him with having gone through two funerals. I just wanted to, to be with him. He's my friend. He's not just the guy that I work with. He's my friend. And so by the time I left, he was laughing. I, I make everyone laugh. Patty says to me, babe, even when you're down, you'll make me laugh. Um, you'll find a way to make me laugh. And you know what? The word says that laughter is medicine to the heart. They actually did a survey where, where they, um, of people that were sick, and they actually took people and made them laugh. So they're like, ha, ha, ha. And those people got better quicker than those that didn't laugh. So it was almost like a scientific fact, and it was a big survey that they did. So learn to laugh. Father, I want to pray today that if there's anyone here that has never surrendered their life, or they're here this morning and they know that their relationship with you is not in the place that it should be, I pray that you would come this morning. And if you're in that place, I wonder if you just stick your hand up and I'll, we would love to pray for you. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for courageous people. Then I just want to, uh, I, I think we all need to be filled by the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. So this morning, just open your heart in an attitude of surrender. And I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us, to enable us, to strengthen us, encourage us. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. We don't need any gimmicks. We don't need any uh, strange ways of doing this. But we know. We know that you are here right now. Right now. Oh, Lord, that's just so wonderful. I can feel you right now, Lord. I just have a sensing of your presence, Lord on my life and on the life of those that I'm praying for, Lord. I thank you right now, Lord, that our hearts in a place of surrender, there you are. There you are, just bringing life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.